Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Kansas City Chiefs mollywopped the Chicago Bears 23-3 in a game that felt nowhere near as close as that scoreline seems to indicate. I bring on Windy City Gridirons editor-in-chief as well as offensive line expert Lester Wiltfong to help me break down this game, the offseason, and plenty of other topics going forward on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on this, the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And you can probably already hear him, but I've got with me Windy City Gridiron's own Lester Wiltfong, which honestly couldn't have been better timed, Lester, because the last time I had you on was after that nasty loss to the now, I believe, 5-10 and 10 Los Angeles Chargers. And here we are. After another crushing defeat to Kansas City, which, look, the circumstances are obviously different. I'm not equating the two teams. Kansas City, way better team than the Chargers. But that feeling after the game of, oh, man, that was rough, that that has remained the same. So, so, so I think what you're saying is you, you, you only book me when, uh, when the Bears are going to be bad and I'm the jinx. <laughs> it's one of those two. I, yeah, either, yeah. either I have some incredible foresight or you're the jinx. But yeah. I think a two-game sample size is a little weak for that. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Either, either way, what were your first thoughts of the game? You know, the game started off bad. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the play calling. I wasn't a fan of, of having Mitch run. You know, I think he ran on, on, on four plays in that first drive there. I mean, the Bears were driving a little bit there in, in the in the first drive, but I, I just didn't like the play calling overall. It was kind of like Matt Nagy was kind of – I don't want to say he was – I don't want to say the moment was too big for him because obviously I don't know that from him, but you know it was a big game for him. He was going up against his mentor, a guy who who brought him into the league, and and he was on his staff for I think you know eight nine years something like that. So uh, I just don't understand what was going on there in the first drive, and and once that was going on like that, and then of course the Chiefs come out and and score right away. It's I just knew this game was going to be ugly from the start and and through the through the whole thing and exactly what it was. It was just a uh, a three phase horrible game top to bottom just brutal brutal oh it was brutal all right now one thing because i have to i have to piggyback off something you said there because lester i think you stumbled onto probably what i think is matt Nagy's biggest flaw as a coach so us fans and analysts we look at situations i'm sure you do this i know i do it too where we look at a game we say okay the chiefs defense they are 13th in DVOA, they are 6th against the pass, and they are bottom like bottom half against the run. Okay, so running's probably the better bet, and they're probably going to stop us if we try to throw the ball. Did you say that? I know I did. Yeah, and I, I did a preview for uh, for Odds Checker. I do a little moonlighting with that site, and uh, that was my, my, my takeaway from, the, from looking at the stats is, you know, the Chiefs have had a much better defense these last, the last half of the season. 
but you could still run on the Chiefs, and, and that's what you have to do. You had to come out there and run against them. And I thought the Bears did a pretty good job with the pistol. You know, it it, it gets mm-hmm. it's it still gives you a shotgun, but it gives your tailback more of a downhill look, so it gets them on the move. It's not just turning and giving the ball to making and making make a decision there on the line. So I like the p- use of the pistol there, but. I don't know. Just the whole the whole thing didn't get a good feel for me as far as the offense. And then, of course, the offensive line wasn't the best, and that's been a problem this whole season in the run game. Um, just you know, this this offense is just you know we've talked about it you know this whole season. You know, we on, on the podcast or on the site, it's just so much of this offense is broken. And again, it's is it Nagy? Is it Trubisky? Is it a little bit of both? Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff. It's just a whole lot of whole lot of a whole lot of broken offense here for the Bears. Exactly. And to continue with what I was saying there, so we all thought, I did, you did, everyone did, that the Bears were probably going to have their best opportunity running football. The trouble is, and I know you've seen this, we've seen it all season, we honestly saw it in 2018. Matt Nagy doesn't seem to want to start out doing what his team is good at, which is, uh, let's look. I know some people are going to disagree with me, but it, of the two sides of the or of the two sides of offense, running and throwing, the Bears are better at throwing. They obviously find their identity in throwing. I don't really care what Matt Nagy says about we don't know where our, what where our identity is. It's throwing the football. But Matt Nagy is willing to effectively say to him, he's willing to play that brain game. Well, they're probably going to take away this, so I should just do this. He won't actually attempt what he's good at. He'll just mentally take it away himself and. Like you're saying, when the Bears started out with, what was it, six straight runs and a pass that was, eh, pass wasn't perfect. Um, but either way, the, they started out with a somewhat meek game plan that relied on offensive run blocking that just, like you mentioned, it's not been the strength of the team this year. That's not what you want to be hitching your wagon to. But that's what we started with. And if there's one critique I have of Nagy, if I had to pick one, this season it's the fact that he seems to take his own like he seems to hide his own hand behind his back assuming the defense will take it away for him sometimes i think you just gotta go out and do what you're best at the saints don't not throw with drew Brees. the uh, seattle doesn't not run the football i mean these teams that found an offensive identity they roll with it and the bears don't do that and lo and behold, the offense doesn't seem to have an identity. Now, what is it, 16 weeks into the season? It'd be too late if they found one next week. But either way, that's been a problem. It stayed a problem. And it got us down seven immediately. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had a feeling that, you know, with the game that all it was, you know, Nagy versus Reed, you know, Trubisky versus Mahomes, I had a feeling that Matt Nagy was going to come out a little more aggressive, uh, try and push the ball downfield a little bit, try and, you know, catch the Chiefs sleeping. Because, of course, if you look at the numbers, you would assume the Bears are going to try and run the ball. So, you know, that's not the Bears' strength. Obviously, this year, you know, th- honestly, what, what, there's, the Bears don't have a strength on offense this year. I mean, the whole offense has been bad. But, you know, you got to try and do something. And, and I thought they would come out a little more aggressive. You know, I'm looking at it right now. You know, it's, it's Mitch Trubisky. You know, he, he had the first two carries of the game. Yeah, there's some read option stuff in there. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not a fan of the way they started. And then they started kind of, uh, kind of passively. Um, and then, of course, the, uh, the the first drive, like I said, they moved the ball a little bit. You know, they picked up a few yards. But then, of course, Mitch Trubisky steps out of bounds on a third and 13. He loses eight yards uh, just stepping out of bounds. And and I just – that's inexcusable. Um, and then in the very next series with the Chiefs, we saw Pat Mahomes chuck it out of bounds. I think he had two or he – had, he had two or three of those reads outside the pocket. 
he has flipped it out of bounds because, you know, that's the smart play. You know, I've written about it a few weeks ago on Sackwatch. You know, football is a game of inches. Do not give away an inch. There's just no point to it, especially when it's in the rules now. You're allowed to just flip it out of bounds. It wouldn't have been a very difficult play to make. Save your punter that room because who knows, those, those eight yards in, in the long run, it doesn't matter, but it just shows a situational awareness that he hasn't had this whole season. And that's why he is taking the most sacks uh, has been on him in this whole season. Absolutely. I mean, it's been crazy. And, you know, I'd be intellectually dishonest if I didn't go there, Lester. The big story of this game, especially given that the Bears didn't have anything to hope for in terms of playoffs, was going to be Mitchell Trubisky and the guy picked eight picks after him, Patrick Mahomes. That was the story. It was always going to be the story. And you hit on it immediately. One of the most frustrating things for Bears fans tonight, certainly for me, was it felt as if Matt Na- or it felt as if Mitchell Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes were running fairly similar West Coast style uh, offenses. Now, don't get me wrong. Tyreek Hill, way better than anybody we have. T- uh, Travis Kelsey, he's a lot better than Jesper Horstead. I mean, the read <laughs> offense, the read offense has weaponry and and Patrick Mahomes is one of those weapons so I'd be I'd be dishonest if I tried to pretend that Trubisky and Reed are in the same or Trubisky and uh, Mahomes are in the same situation but with that said Mahomes looked like he was operating the offense in a way that I mean let me just pick out a play on third and 18 which is sort of a no hoper for the Bears this year Mahomes converted it and he made it look fairly easy he got time in the pocket he let a ball rip, and uh, and he and it got snared down the middle of the field, which the Bears don't seem to ever throw at. I mean, Mahomes got—I don't know if you saw this, uh, Lester, but it looked to me like this was one of the Bears' pass rushes' best games all yeah. season. I mean, maybe second best to the Week One game against Aaron Rodgers, where the guy got no time. Period. But Mahomes handled it like it was a walkthrough. I mean, he made this game look easy, and that in and of itself was—I mean. In one sense, it's impressive. In the other, it's extraordinarily disheartening if you're a Bears fan. You know, one thing I noticed in the game is Mahomes, his pocket presence. You know, I, I've watched some of his games, obviously, because he's one of the better players in the, in the league. So I get a chance to watch him, you know, whenever I can. But, you know, just against the Bears pass rush, you know, they only got one sack. They, got, they had only had a, a one quarterback hit. But they did get a little bit of pressure on him. They did make him uncomfortable back there. And he just stands so tall in the pocket. I mean, yeah, he can scramble with the best of them. But the thing that Mahomes does that 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 the, the, the truly great students and that me and you talked about you know a, a, a couple weeks ago is when you're in the pocket and you step up when the when the pressure's still around you and you're still getting touched and hit by the defenders able to stand there eyes downfield and make a strong throw that's something that Mahomes can do mm-hmm. that's what you know some of the greats can do and and you know the Bears the Bears don't have that guy um, he, he has the physical tools to do it but he just isn't making those plays right now Mahomes. He's on another level, and that's just the way it is. And and it's unfortunate because Trubisky's always going to be judged against that. And then, of course, next year the Bears are going to play the, the Texans, so he'll be judged against Watson. You know, but 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 with with Mahomes, he's just you know that's just the guy. And 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 yes, there's no way that Mahomes would have been taken that early in the draft. You know, I don't think any, anyone had him that high. Nope. But here here we are. I mean, this is this is what it is. And you know, now he has a chip on his shoulder. We saw him counting down to 10 players on his finger. I'm not sure if that's what he was doing on the sideline there. I mean, I'm sure someone will ask him after the game, but you know, he has a chip on his shoulder because he was the 10th guy taken. You know, he he understands that, you know, he he could have been in Chicago, could have been in a lot of places. 
And uh, he landed in, in a perfect spot for him with a lot of weapons and a great head coach and a great scheme. Truly perfect. I mean, perfect. You're talking about a quarterback in Alex Smith that now look, Alex Smith has had a sort of funny career in that he had this happen to him twice, but Alex Smith suddenly found out he was the bridge quarterback. He handled it with grace. He coached up uh, he coached up Mahomes as best he could, and obviously Nagy helped out with that. And uh, Mahomes came out the next year and won the MVP. So for the Bears fans that say, oh, you guys are being unfair. You're comparing a former MVP to Mitch. Yes, he was an MVP. But so, it, what was amazing to me, I don't know if this dawned on you at all, Lester. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I was amazed at how many things Mahomes was doing that I thought to myself, wow, I haven't seen Mitch do that in forever, uh, if ever. Like you, you expect guys to be able to do specific things. If Like uh, most quarterbacks are limited in some capacity, but they can offer you one thing or another. Uh, to enlighten Bears fans on the conversation Lester and I had, I was asking him what his thoughts were on – a strong quarterback that stand tall in the pocket and when to pin something on a quarterback and when to pin, pin it on the offensive line. And the example that I gave Lester went back to week two. If bears fans remember it, the bears were able to collapse the pocket around Joe Flacco. And it didn't really matter. The guy was getting the ball out as if he was unaffected because he is that old school, big and tall, strong quarterback mold. And nobody even thinks Joe Flacco's all that great, but he could at least stand tall in the pocket it was surprising to me that when Mahomes got outside the pocket, he had the scramble option or he could just distribute it. He could throw balls uh, accurately, quickly, or after the three-second mark that Trubisky seems to struggle with. He stepped up in the pocket, which I'm sure you saw this one too, Lester, on that sack where Mitch stepped out. It also came partially because Suggs took the scenic route around Leno and Trubisky let himself get pushed out instead of stepping up and letting Leno cover his back. Maybe you have a little bit more insight on that, but it is surprising to me that in terms of his pocket presence, in terms of Mitch's accuracy, in terms of Mitch's, some of his decision-making, it really seemed as if Mahomes had him licked in all three phases. And yeah, you'd expect that of the MVP, but you'd also hope that your number two overall pick was able to offer you at least equal skill in one of those categories. Yeah, you know, we've talked about a little bit, you know, off on, on, on by a text and, and, and through DMs and stuff. And, you know, Trubisky this year, he doesn't step up as much as he should. He usually tries to get outside of the of the pass rush. And earlier in the year, teams were kind of rushing to keep him in the pocket. He wanted to make plays. But even then, he really wasn't stepping up. It's more along the lines of what he would do is he'd get the ball out quickly because he doesn't want to have to be in there. It's just an awareness thing. I mean, he just doesn't have that right now could he get it sure you know you talk about alex smith and and i don't know if you watched a lot of alex smith back back when he was younger but he, <laughs> he was a terrible quarterback i mean he he was the first player taken overall and and he was he was a bust his first few years in the league you know no one thought he would be a competent quarterback at all it just took him a while to, to get to get the to get the hang of the nfl game and and you know people that want to look at mitch and say he needs time you know, everyone always wants to talk about just the Drew Brees comparison. How Brees took so many years before he really became, you know, the 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 Drew Brees that we know now. But I think Alex Smith is a more apt comparison because you know Alex Smith is he's a good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or one of these guys right now. You know, I think if Trubisky's ever going to get it, you know, he's going to have this a similar path to what happened with with Smith. I'm not sure what's going to happen in Chicago. He may have to move on to get that. But either way, I think you know, talking a little bit about the 2020 season, I think he's obviously going to be 
in Chicago one more year, and then we'll see what happens after that. That, I think, uh, Lester, is the best thing you could have said about Trubisky. I mean, uh, I know I have gotten a whole lot of, uh, I'll just say, heat for the way that I've treated Trubisky. I know I've been hard on him, and it's partially because I was so high on the guy's ability to develop coming into this 2019 season, and everybody agreed. This was his prove-it-no-excuses season. He didn't prove it, and I didn't really want to hand him the excuses. But like you said, I, I do think Trubisky has been sort of sold out, to be honest. Uh, the Bears had a defense, and you and I know in the NFL, defenses don't last a long time. And Pace had picked a much more developmentally-minded quarterback. You said it. I still remember listening to you, disagreeing with you at the time. Lester, you had me licked. You wanted Deshaun Watson. If Watson was on the Bears, he's probably the more pro-ready quarterback, and who knows. But this is a post-game podcast, so let's not dwell on that too long. <laughs> but the point is that I do think if Mitch is going to be successful, I don't think he'll be Drew Brees. Guys, you are talking about somebody with one of the fastest releases, just incredibly surgical-minded brain, paired with Sean Payton. That guy is on another level. But Alex Smith, somebody that takes a little while, feels it out, figures things out, changes teams, gets that second-team bump – Mitch could do that. I mean, that's on the table. It's certainly more realistic, in my opinion, than the Breeze thing. But I don't know. I really don't know, Lester, if Mitch may need time to become a decent and successful quarterback. And I really don't know if Chicago has the time to give him. What do you think? You know, we live in such an instant gratification society. You know, that's what that's what it is now. Everyone wants it. Everything now. And and and. (laughs) <laughs> with, with, with Trubisky, it's just he's just not there. I mean, we've seen flashes a year ago. I mean, I was like a lot of people. I, I expected him to take a bump this year. You know, it didn't happen. And you know what? He could still turn out to be a, a guy that can run to be a, to be a, a, a top line franchise type quarterback. He'll never be in that, like I said, in, the, in that elite you know category. But it could happen. And the thing with him is, you know, he, he'll probably be here again next year. You know, we'll see who they're going to bring in as competition. Because let's face it, you have to have someone in there. You have to have a guy you can, you can lean on in case you know things go south again, uh, similar to what happened in in, uh, in Tennessee this year with Mariota and Tannehill. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to get a guy. Um, and and whether Trubisky you know takes that step, like we all thought he would take, you know, a, a one off season ago, maybe he'll take it this year. Um, but it's just hard to say because, like I said, there's a disconnect there between him and Nagy. You know, the, the plays are, are not the 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 plays that seem to always. You know, I, I don't want to say the plays don't always work because there's guys open. You know, we've seen, you know, we've seen people, you know, go back to watch the All-22. You know, there are guys there. I mean, we saw him miss a wide-open guy tonight. Uh, could have been a, a big-time touchdown with Allen Robinson. You know, he's had these instances happen. But also, he's had instances this year where, where there's a lot of drops. I mean, there was some more drops tonight. Wins, mm-hmm. I think, had a couple. Uh, Tariq Cohen had another drop. And, yeah, this game wouldn't have mattered. You know, those drops wouldn't have made a big difference because the, the Bears were outclassed by the Chiefs. You know, but overall this has just been a bad year for the entire offense and Trubisky gets the blame because th- that's why he gets the big money he's the quarterback this it's the most important position in all of sports is the, is the quarterback and he gets all the praise when things go good so when things go bad he's going to be the top guy that, that people want to uh, attack and criticize and if you don't believe it just turn to the Dallas game and how people reacted after that I mean to your exact point Lester after a Dallas game in which Mitchell Trubisky threw for, I believe when I charted it, it was about 104 total yards in the air. 
of about 254. Mitchell Trubisky was the surgical field general that the Bears needed because the quarterback gets the praise. Tonight, uh, this is just my first watch. I have not watched the All-22, but it looked as if Matt Nagy tried to give Trubisky everything he likes. I mean, everything. Like, he gave him zone reads, and some of them Trubisky got right, some of them he didn't. Kind of seemed 50-50. He gave him the play-action deep shot, and it was open. He missed it. He gave him short op- or he gave him short routes out to the sidelines. He he got some of those. Some of them didn't go so well. But and then down on the end zone, uh, that throw to Miller. That was a throw that Mitch loves. He's converted that a lot, and he missed Miller way wide. Let alone the fade that I mean, it fell a little short. Look, that was actually much more something that I know you and I saw in camp that he he's had a tendency to leave those short. I'm not sitting here trying to say that everything's Trubisky's fault. I am trying to say that some of the earlier mistakes in the game did seem to come from the quarterback position. And that leads us back to this terrifying, or maybe not terrifying as much as it is annoying, chicken and egg discussion that Bears fans have been having all season. Is Matt Nagy as bad as the quarterback is making him look? Or maybe. uh, Or does a better quarterback make this offense better? Because let's be real, Lester. uh, Allen Robinson is a legitimate number one wide receiver. But is he a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, do the Bears have a viable second banana? Maybe if Anthony Miller steps up, but Taylor Gabriel's probably not around too long. They certainly don't have a tight end. The point is, I could rip through everything. And Kansas City, for anybody wondering how a post-game podcast turned into an off-season podcast, <laughs> uh, I mean, Kansas City just walked over us. It looked like practice. It kind of looked like a two-team scrimmage in which, you know, the Bears were the scout team for somebody else in the playoffs. And that's what a playoff team should do to a team that's now, what, seven and eight? But I don't know. It is, it is, it is not some clear-cut situation where Mitch is in the best offense ever and is ruining it. This offense is set up to be, I don't know, let's say 12th at best. Does that seem fair to you? But where it is, uh, it's, it's sure not 12th. Let's put yeah. it that way. I mean, if the Bears would have had a, a, a 12th ranked offense this year, I think they're in the playoffs again. It's just, you know, so much of that offense went wrong. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of talked a, bit, a little bit about it, you know, uh, right before you hit record. And, and I think we all want Trubisky to succeed. I mean, obviously we're Bears yes. fans. You know, I think most fans, I, I did a poll on Twitter earlier this week because I've been getting hammered by people that anytime anyone says anything negative about Trubisky, they're all of a sudden a hater and then they want him to fail. And, and, and now while there are some fans that do that, and I, I just don't understand it. You know, I think wanting the franchise you root for to have things go right is, is the best way to go. And and if Trubisky's not the guy, and, and it looks like he's not the guy, it sets the franchise back. You got to get a guy in the offseason. You got to have a guy come in. You got to decide you're going to spend money on a guy like Bridgewater or or maybe, uh, you know, I mean, really, he's the only starter to love a guy out there because I don't think Tom Brady's going to go. I think Drew Brees is not going to go. I don't want Phillip Rivers. Uh, maybe Andy Dalton. I mean, there's guys out there that can come in that have started a lot of games in the NFL, but you know, you're setting your franchise back because you missed on this pick, and and that's that's a GM thing. That's a Ryan Pace thing, and you know, I don't want to get back in the whole uh, the Ryan Pace thing because I've vented quite enough about <laughs> that and, and the whole the whole thing with uh, his windows and you know, or his uh, his his clouds, I should say, of players, and in, in that one article that came out where it had Mahomes in his cloud, so. There's just a lot of a lot of bad there. The whole the Bears offense has just got a lot of bad juju around it right now. So 
But again, we go to the, the defense that we talked about. It was a, a full phase meltdown, and the defense didn't do very good tonight. But again, they're going against one of the best offenses in the game, one of the best offensive minds in the game, and the reigning MVP. Man, that's the struggle when it comes to evaluating the defense's effort. It felt like they moved Mahomes off his spot, but at the same time, Mahomes never exactly looked like he was losing control. It doesn't I mean, matter with that guy. No, and, and yeah. not to mention, Mahomes is the kind of guy, I know I saw this at one point, I believe there was a series where Reed ran, which was rare. He mostly just threw it, which, I got to be honest, did look a whole lot like the Matt Nagy offense. Uh, but so he ran, he ran the ball right, and the Bears knocked the running back down for a loss of one. Then I believe the sack came or something like that. But either way, the Bears defense looked like he was heating up. And then the next play was that, oh, my gosh, gorgeous ball with where Mahomes roped it right down the sidelines over KPL's shoulder, which I thought uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, aside from another ghastly punt penalty, (laughs) uh, had a pretty good game. But that was, I mean, that was a gorgeous ball. It wasn't undefendable. It was just a tight window throw that Mahomes made and they advanced because they're the kind of offense that you have to beat them three plays in a row. This isn't, you get extra credit. If you win on two, you have to beat them on all three plays and they punished the bears tonight on every single mistake. And I mean, it was just, it was hard to watch a defense that so many were hoping would be, you know, elite this season, which I don't know. Uh, I can't remember what you thought in the offseason. I know I always thought that just due to health and how healthy the Bears were, that was a little unlikely. But their very goodness seemed to be on full display that they would make really solid plays. And then KC would just make a better one. And they were right back on first and 10. It, was, it wasn't a good result. They certainly didn't do the scrappy stuff that we've seen them do this whole offseason. But then you look back at the scoreboards, you're like, they, were, they had nothing and then three points for the large yeah. majority of the game. That ain't much to defend. You know, well, it seemed like they had the Chiefs in third and long quite a bit. You know, but the problem is with a guy like Mahomes, he was, he was making the plays. I mean, the, the Chiefs were 6 for 11 on, on third down. That's uh, 55%. You know, and they just made the plays when they had to make the play. That's, that's what the good teams mm-hmm. do when, when you have to make a play. Uh, your playmakers come through, and you know that 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 Chiefs offense. You know they have a lot of playmakers all over the place, and it's just you can't keep them down. I mean, it's it's a it's asking a lot, and especially when your offense is doing nothing. You know, there's just no way to to make them one dimensional because you know the Chiefs didn't run the ball very well until the very end there when it was pretty much the game was over. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the Andy Reid still kind of went back to the run every now and again. Uh, he had, he had uh, a. a Three guys with with more than five carries, you know. He he ran the ball enough to keep the Bears off balance to where you couldn't just 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 go back and 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 just just go after the quarterback. And when the score is you know uh, ten to three, seven to three, you know seventeen to three, there's no point. There's just you know this offense has held back the Bears defense this whole season long. Uh, I was a guy I expected the Bears defense to to not regress like most thought. I thought they would take a step up, but that was mostly predicated on. The offense being better, which I think a lot of mm-hmm. people thought as well. If the offense is better, it gives the defense more chance to rush the quarterback. If the offense is better, you know, then the, the turnovers may not be there as the way they were a year ago, but the turnovers will be there again because again, you're rushing a quarterback more, you're you're getting him off his spot more, you have more chances for the, for those for those strip sacks. It just didn't happen because nothing on offense worked this year. You know, I'm not sure where where the Bears rank right now after this game, but you know, this is one of their worst offensive performances of the year. You know, at 
you know, about uh, midway through the third quarter, they were only at 200 yards total offense. You know, it's just, uh, it's just not going to get it done. Matt Nagy is an offensive guru. He's the offensive genius. His offense isn't working. He has a lot of self-scouting to do in the offseason. Oh, tons. I mean, there's no questioning. So I know that this is, again, a gut feel, but there was one moment where this Bears offense looked like it was actually moving the ball pretty well. And that was on their trip down to the goal line that obviously did not end in success, but oh well. Uh, And in that moment, I remember if there's one thing that dawned on me, it was that for the first time, just about all game, Trubisky had hit all of his marks. He had a two yard or he had about a six yard slant that he put right where Allen Robinson needed it. He carried the ball forward for another about 12 yards on third and two. And then on the subsequent play, I believe it was, he had a play action rollout, hit a guy about a seven yard gainer, set up a second and three. And from there, we ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, and picked up like 30 yards. Neat. Good stuff. Offense looked sound. But Lester, to your point, some might say, and I don't know, I really haven't made up my mind yet, to be completely honest, that that means that Matt Nagy's offense is good and all it needs is quarterback. But I don't think that's fair. I really don't. I think we're going to get either – or I think we're going to see by, uh, by the end of 2020, we very well may see another quarterback. Maybe, uh, because we're probably not going to see another coach. But one of the – or I don't know if we even have enough data right just yet to pull apart fully the quarterback or the head coach. I don't think you can absolve Nagy. At this moment, I mean, come on. The offense just looks so, so bad. <laughs> I mean, if you tried to tell somebody, uh, whether on Twitter or anything right now, no, 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 no. Matt Nagy's an offensive genius. We've just got a bad quarterback. I mean, come on. No. The offenses looked so out of sync. But at the same time, if they do get a better quarterback and it does all start, or and the gears do start turning, what does that mean? I guess we'd have to answer that question if we got there, because it feels like nothing's a given. And isn't that just a crazy thought to, that we, that this is where we are given how we all felt in August. Yeah. I, I think the bears offensive line, they're going to have some tweaking there. Um, you know, I, a lot of fans want to criticize the tackles and, and, and Charles Leno had a down year this year uh, for sure. He had a really rough start to the season, but he's, he, he still plays about what he is. He's, he's not a, a pro bowl guy. He made the pro bowl last year. Um, it probably was his best year he's ever had, but even last year he was, I think, a third alternate that kind of kind of made the team. He wasn't like a, a top choice. He wasn't the guy that made it right off the bat. So he had a bit of a down mm-hmm. year. But but again, he's always what he is. He's an average guy. He's not a he's not a top flight uh, a left tackle. The same with same with the other side with with uh, with uh, uh, Massey. He's not a top flight right tackle. He's an average guy. And and you look at the money, and that's what a lot of fans look at and they say, oh my God, they're getting paid so much money. But the money they're getting paid is about middle of the pack for the position they're getting average money i mean it's a lot of money for from you and i in our standpoint we look <laughs> at it that's that's a ton of cash but in the grand scheme of things they're getting paid about average i mean that's about what an average left tackle right tackle gets paid in the nfl you know if the bears can upgrade one of those spots i think they'll do it um but we, i think we kind of see how how bobby massey was missed because cornelius lucas you know he he is an undrafted free agent guy he, i think he's on his third team at right tackle, and he was just – he was brutal tonight. I mean, it seemed like every time the Bears had a little pressure leak, it was from from his side. Um, I saw the Bears pulled Rashad Coward at some point at right guard. You know, that right side of the line is not what it should have been. Kyle Long getting hurt was was a huge blow to this team. 
Everyone thought he'd be able to get something going there. Just the whole old line has been out of sorts this whole season. That you had the Whitehair Daniels sw- switch, then the Whitehair Daniels switch back. So they got to make a decision on the old line. I think you're going to see Ryan Pace spend some money in free agency this year. I think he knows that you know he's got to get this team back where it goes because if he has another bad year, now his his seat's hot and and it probably should be hot now, but it's just not how the NFL operates. You know he's not you know his seat is is he's right. fine. You know he'll be there again. The same with Nagy, he'll be there again. But Ryan Pace knows, you know, I, I got to get it right. I got the quarterback, uh, you know, not the right guy there. Um, a couple of the mistakes he's made at the top of the draft, he's got to he's got to right the ship, and he's got to get this team back in the playoff hunt. And the way to do it is dumping some cash into the uh, free agency. I mean, I'll tell you what, Lester, that's what I think is so funny about uh, the way people have talked about the offensive line. So, look, I'm not. If you ask me, are you happy with Charles Leno's play? Well, I mean, I guess in in a vacuum, maybe not. But then again, I've got something I'm writing up on Leno specifically because I think, I mean, tackle is such a hard position to play. And I'm sure you'll be the first person to chip in on this. Pretty much the only way that a tackle or any offensive lineman gets any attention is they take a penalty, they get, they give up a sack, or they hit somebody really hard on a run block. Run yeah. block. And to that credit, I will just call out J.P. Holtz had one of the more fun things I've pre- pretty much ever seen. Uh, or not ever seen. Wow. Uh, been a while. Recency bias. But that block <laughs> we had on one of those Montgomery runs was fabulous. Yeah. But either way, of those three things, only two of them apply to Charles Leno because he's not a heavy set run blocker. That's not his game. And this season, it is wild that when you take a look at the five guys on the offensive line, let's go right to left. Um, Bobby Massey, do you upgrade him? I guess probably not, but I think he's more realistic of an upgrade to find than Charles Leno because I think it's easier to find right tackles than left tackles unless you're starting to Tagovailoa, and then of course you need your right tackle to play left tackle, but different yeah. conversation. Lefty quarterbacks, ha ha ha. Uh, Rashad Coward, I think he's getting replaced. I don't know oh, yeah. what you thought. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Ted Larson <laughs> coming in was as as good, much of a gimme as we were going to get there. So yeah. you need a new right guard straight up. Center, well, Cody Whitehair looks pretty solid, but they've already shown they're willing to switch James Daniels. So what do you do? Do you leave Cody Whitehair at center? Sure, looks like he's the better choice there. But, of course, now you've got somebody that you drafted to be a center playing left guard. And, I mean, I know you and I have kind of talked about it. James Daniels didn't take the step we wanted him to this year. Hopefully he can next year, but that brings us to left to guard. Whatever you decide at center brings you there. And Leno's just about the only lineman that I can, that I can look at and say, for better or for worse, he's, exa- he's going to be exactly where he is now in 2020. I yeah. mean, this whole offensive line is just it's, – it's got a lot more question marks than I thought it did coming into this 2019 season. Has, has it surprised you? Yeah, I mean, I thought this would be one of the one of the better units on the team. I mean, I thought they had a really good year last year overall. Um, you know, missing Long, you know, having Long not not be able to come back from the surgeries and and recover like we all thought he would, and you know, it wasn't just us at at, at the site. I mean, it, this was a lot of people thought this. A lot of people thought that Kyle Long having a off season with no surgeries to recover from. Uh, we a lot of us thought that he would be able to get you know close to that Pro Bowl level. Yeah, he's a little older, so maybe getting that hit in the exact Pro Bowl you know play wouldn't be you know in the cards. But we thought it'd be close to that level, and and it would help solidify this line because you know the problems he had last year was at that spot. 
you know, missing him. And, you know, even when he did play, he was a shell of his former self. I don't think he was ever right. I mean, he played a lot of reps in, in the pre in, in the, uh, in, in the camp. I mean, he was there every day. He didn't miss a, miss a beat, you know, maybe he just wasn't ready to go. And, and at some point you got to wonder why didn't the coaches notice that he just wasn't the same guy. I know you can't go live all the time in practice. That's not something you can do. And, but at some point somewhere, I think the bears kind of uh, dropped the ball and not replacing him earlier. Um, I was on a, um, um, Bill's uh, podcast earlier this year, and you know it was before they made the actual switch, and, and we were talking about it that he just wasn't playing right, whether it was injury or whatever it was. It just he didn't look right, and at some point the Bears had to make a decision, and they eventually ended up doing that. And then with Rashad Coward, I like the tools there. I think he's a physical presence, but the techniques never come around. I mean, he's had just a few a few flashes, but even this game, I watched him earlier in the game, and he was just getting beat off the snap. You know, he seems to lunge too much. Uh, he doesn't move his feet like he should. You know, coming inside the guard should have been a little easier for him since he was a, a, a D lineman in the past. It's not as a as as reliant on being a, a technician as it is out at tackle, but he just got sloppy and and it just you know that's why they had to bring the change with Ted Larson. And uh, I, I hope that we see Alex Barsh. I think he's a guy that has the technique. You know, he just need to have uh, you know get the NFL game on, under under his belt. And you know, one thing about 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 uh, O-line coach here, he stand. He doesn't like playing rookies unless he has to. Um, that's probably why we didn't see Alex Bars. But maybe with a full week to prepare, knowing that right now they know Coward is not the guy, maybe they get Alex Bars enough reps and they see if they can get him in here and at least split some time with Larson at that uh, at that right guard spot. Maybe I mean that'd be awesome. Alex Bars looked like he was on a different level than uh, Cornelius Lucas, and then I think his name's Joe Lowry, uh, left tackle in the preseason. Yeah. But either way, uh, or right tackle. He's selling insurance now. Who knows? Who knows? What yeah, he's doing. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. Hey, he got further than I ever did. That's there for sure. Uh, but either way, it, uh, I agree with you. I think Rashad Coward. Uh, you know, I'm going to say something that could be considered a bit spicy, but. He reminds or he seemed to play out uh, his career uh, in a very similar way. If you were going to break it down in a sentence that Mitch Trubisky seems to be headed towards when he had his great moments, he looked like a guy that could dominate. I mean, he looked like a guy who was physical. He run blocked really hard. And, you know, if he just got that, uh, if he just got that technique under control, you've got a big, sizable guy at the position for free. That's really great. That yeah. obviously doesn't apply to Trubisky. But the trouble was, exactly like you're saying, I mean, this, to me, if nothing else, Lester, you can you now have a player to go back to that next time somebody says, that guy's really big, why don't we just put him on the offensive line? Mm-hmm. You can just say, we tried to, but remember, it's a lot harder than you think it is. I mean, well, the, you, you, yeah. You, with, with the zone blocking scheme, I mean, it's it's so reliant on having uh, a good technique. You know, the 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 it's all the steps the same way. The they they're 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 doing the, the the double teams, and you have to have your hand in the right placement. It's all about feel, and not having a guy there that that has that feel because he hasn't done it his whole life. I mean, this is really his first year playing that position exclusively. I mean, and the, he used to be a, a tackle. You know, the last off season. I'm not sure how much actual work he got at guard until he was forced into this into the position. So he just doesn't have the feel. He doesn't have the experience. And and again, he, he's a guy that could turn into something. Maybe he, you know a couple years down the road, he's a guy that has a, a long lasting career as a backup in the NFL, and maybe he gets his chance again to start. You know, you know, in, in two, three, four years. But right now, he had his chance. He looked pretty good in run blocking earlier. But again, when he kind of came in, 
and, and he started to, to to get some reps there. That's when the Bears are doing a little more of that eye formation stuff, and that kind of uh, it more fits them because it's more downhill stuff. Yeah, the zone blocking is still there, but you got the fullback behind you too. So he just may be a better fit for better a better offense and and Coward. I think he's still on a contract because he's I think he's a, a unrestricted free agent coming up this year. He may be around as a backup, but as a starter, you got to address that spot, and I think they'll do so uh, in free agency. Hey, that'd be great. Uh, d- speaking of, I guess. This might as well be as good a time to ask as any. Uh, just quick thought, Lester, whether if you had to pick between addressing the problem in free agency or addressing the problem in the draft, which do you think is more realistic? Obviously, not taking into account that you do not have the whole draft class memorized up and down. Yeah, for, 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 the, for, for right guard or for uh, general? I guess right guard, namely, because that's obviously something that just has to be addressed. Yeah, I think they got to get a guy. I, I can't see him spending too much because, you know, we look at what's going on across that offensive line and, and teams don't like spending, uh, you know, they, they don't like allocating that much money to one position. And you already got your tackles, you know, getting pretty good money. You got Cody Whitehair making, making pretty good money. So that's three of those guys making, you know, pr- pretty good coin right now. And, and it'd be nice to find a guy in the draft. And I think they're going to double dip. I think they are going to sign a guy that they feel comfortable starting if they have to. But I think they are going to get a guy at some point in the draft because, you know, you need another young guy coming up like James Daniels, who, you know, I, I still have high hopes for Daniels. He, he had a good rookie year. He's, he's been pretty good this year. You Absolutely. Know, the, the, the move to center kind of, kind of slowed his development a little bit because it didn't take off like, you know, we all hoped it did. But he's still a guy that has a lot of upside. He's he is a, a good physical player. You know he has good movement skills. You know he's he, he can he can get out there in his zone. He's good for the scheme because that's what he did at Iowa as well. But you need another guy. You got to double dip at that position. That's something Ryan Pace has done in the past. He's double dipped at spots where he's he knows he has a weakness and and right guard right now is a weakness for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Well, let's bring it full circle, Lester. Uh, what were your? I I think that that's a good plan. I mean, it's as good as any. Certainly, we've got. Months and months to talk about the offseason here coming up. But uh, going or coming back to tonight's game, I guess we'll finish with some just generic final thoughts. I thought yeah. this offense looked like it has, I mean, pretty much all season. Uh, just It seemed like it tried a whole bunch of different things. It went with some play action. It went with some old school West Coast. It went with some new school, like naggy stuff. Uh, it tried a reverse thing that Miller dropped. And, uh, I mean, it just failed to execute on every level of the game. And yeah. that seemed like in, uh, I mean, Casey obviously came out firing. Uh, but for some reason, I have a heart for the defense in this one where I – so, you know, it, it reminds me of baseball, Lester. Uh, in baseball, more than just about any sport I've ever seen, uh, people are willing to acknowledge when a pitcher places the ball perfectly on the corner and, it, and strikes the batter out, everybody sort of shrugs their shoulders and says, man, that was a great pitch. And in this one, I didn't see quite as much defensive failure as I saw offense – like a really good offense – that the bears were up against. And again, maybe that's wrong. And maybe on the, or when I go back and rewatch it, I'll see something different, but that tonight the bears needed their offense to step up. They did not that you could describe that as a microcosm of their season. And we could pick it apart all we want to, but ultimately this seemed like a game to me that said, something's got to change come 2020, even if we don't know what it is. What did you think? So, so like that's a good point you make there. Uh, you know, I got the same feeling watching the Bears. You know, this defense. You know, I'm never gonna say a defense quit. I just don't think that 
as an NFL player, you have that in your makeup. You don't get to this level because you're a guy that quits when, when things don't go your way. But I think at the end there, they kind of got a little, a little, uh, just beat up because there was just on the field so much, you know, the chiefs had the head were running a lot of stuff at the end there. And I think that, you know, there were some plays there, like you said, you know, the chiefs are just a better offense, you know, they're going to get theirs. You know, there's just nothing, you can't stop them. What's that old line? Uh, you, you, you only can hope to contain them. And that's what the, the bears tried to do. And again, with no offensive presence at all, it's kind of hard to expect your defense to do everything. Um, there were a few bright, bright players here. I think uh, you mentioned uh, 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 Kevin Pierre-Lewis. You know, he looked good. You know, I didn't realize he was a 4-5 guy, but that's something they kept mentioning on the broadcast. That's that's pretty good speed for an inside linebacker. Yeah. You know, but with him, he had 12 tackles. You know, he had a, 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 one of those tackles was for loss. He was all over the field. He looked pretty good in coverage. Uh, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, again, he had 11 tackles. You know, he's a guy that's making himself some money here in, in the offseason as a free agent. So, there were some positives, but at the end of the day, you, you, that offense for KC, they're going to get theirs. You know, I, I didn't expect the Bears to be able to score with them. I just thought they would be a little better than just three points. <laughs> Dang it, Lester. There's not much I can say to beat that. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect. Uh, you bring up positives. I do think it's worth closing the show on just straight up talking about positives. I mean, I thought uh, I thought Allen Robinson uh, to say he looked like his usual self isn't even fair because he did have a ball that seemed like it was a couple inches too far out in front of him. But Dave Montgomery this season has seemed like a running back that if you can just give him an inch, he'll go get you a yard. And that's awfully neat. Uh, I thought that it was really hard to evaluate the defense overall, but Leonard Floyd seemed like he played pretty well. I know there was one play where I believe it was him who lost contain on uh Patrick Mahomes' big touchdown run, but at the same time, that was also a play where Pagano decided to dedicate not one, not two, but three defensive players to covering Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, as <laughs> soon as he stopped doing that, Kelsey decided that he'd just tear the Bears up. So this was, this was a dismantling, but the Bears do have some players. It's not like they're a wholly inferior team uh, in the future, but tonight, they sure were. I don't know. Any other positives that you got? I mean... Uh... If you this is, this is not the game to look for positives, you know. But uh, you know, you know the, the you know there's there's there're playmakers on the team. It's just a matter of getting the offense working. And like we talked about, you know, as Bears fans, we it would benefit us and benefit the team and benefit the franchise if they can figure it out with this current group. I yes. just don't think it's going to happen, you know, but, but you, you got a guy like Robinson, you got a guy like Miller who has had a flash this year, you know, Tree Cohen, for some reason has taken a step back this year. You know, I, I'm not sure how much of that is just the offense, you know, not featuring him like he did in the past, you know, but you know, even as a receiver, he had a lot of stuff where he lined up as a receiver early in the year. And, and now he's doing a lot of stuff out of the backfield. But then you mentioned David Montgomery and he's a guy that he runs so hard. He just needs a tiny bit of a crease, and he'll and he'll get some some yards there for you. And all the dancing he did earlier in the season, he does not dance quite as much as he as he, as he has earlier now. Uh, now he has a tendency that he want to he wants to hit it when it's there. The problem with Montgomery is it's not always there for him right now because the offensive line is just not run blocking. So, but I don't want to go negative. I want to stay positive, positive. Uh, uh, so so with the tailback situation with Montgomery, I think the Bears have their guy moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now let's just get a couple tweaks here and there. Um, and it's a rough one, a rough one to look for positives. But, you know, at this point, that's all we got is what's coming up next season. So as Bears fans, we've got a hope. That's all we got left is our hope that the Bears can get things turned around on offense, you know, get a quarterback, whether it's Trubisky figuring it out or whether it's a guy coming in 
and to get things working so it just gives enough of a pressure to get kind of where it was at least 2018 bears to where the offense mm-hmm. does just enough and the defense can do what they do. It, it certainly would be the clear cut easier path. Wouldn't it? If, uh, if Mitch Trubisky could turn in, let's say Gardner Minshew numbers. And for those of you who don't know, because I look at it every week, shamelessly, uh, Gardner Minshew is currently putting up the 16th ANYA or ANY over A. I don't know if that, that accounts for this week. In fact, I bet it doesn't. So that's saying league average. If Trubisky gave us a true league average, even a bit better, that would be way easier than the Bears going out and spending $20 million in some draft capital on trying to pull somebody in, which I'm not saying is going to happen. I'm saying that that's what some people are clamoring for. Like you're mentioning, Lester, that is desperation. And if if the Bears turn to desperation, they just got to be right or, or we're in for another rebuild. But either way, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for staying up with me after a really disappointing Sunday afternoon uh, or Sunday evening game. Yeah. Uh, Lester, where can the wonderful folks on Windy City Gridiron find your work? <laughs> uh, Windy City Gridiron, of course, I'm there. I'm doing the stuff, uh, you know, pretty much every day. Um, I also write a, a weekly column for Odds Checker US, and then every now and again I do a, a podcast with with our podcast guys. But right now, you guys have been killing it. You know, you, EJ, Jeff, Bill, you guys are killing the podcast stuff right now. You guys are doing a, a fantastic job on that. So, so, so I'll step in when I'm needed. Um, maybe this offseason I'll do a few more shows. But right now, you guys are, are, are holding on the fort for the podcast. Well, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest. Certainly, it helps me out way, way easier to have you on, talk football with you, pull pull out that wonderful offensive line analysis than it is to sit by myself and record a 30-minute show. So thank you so much for coming on. You're doing me a wonderful service. Anytime, brother. And Bears fans, that's all I got for you today. Be sure to check out all of Lester Wiltfong's work. He does a fabulous job and keep an eye out for any future content that we create. I know I've got something that I'm working on related to the offensive line. And then who knows? Because with only one week left in the season, as disappointing as that is to say, we are just about drawing to a close on what has no doubt been let's say, a different 2019 season than I know we expected. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me on Twitter over at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. That's my Twitter handle. You'll get any up-to-date things I have on the Bears, as well as any other NFL team that I happen to be watching at that point. And you can check me out on YouTube at Robert Schmitz. That's my first name and my last name to see what other, other analytical stuff that I have for you. Thanks so much, Bears fans, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. 